Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to the build-up here on Balls.ie in partnership with Labrooks where we look ahead to the biggest events of the sporting week. Now, the Olympics are underway in Tokyo. We've just had the opening ceremony. We've got GEA championships in full flight. We've got a lot going on in the world of sport. But through it all, we've got the culmination, I suppose, of the Lions Test Series in South Africa. The first test finally here. It's always a long wait until we get there, but it is starting on Saturday in Cape Town. Unfortunately, all three tests will be on Cape Town in an empty stadium, but a Lions tour and a Lions test match is still a Lions test match. And delighted to say that we've got 2009 our British and Irish Lion, uh, Stephen Ferris with us as always, Labrooks ambassador as well. Stevie, how are you doing? This is uh, it's the it's it's Christmas Eve for rugby fans, really, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. Um, I think last Wednesday, you know, we chatted after it like it was just really wet the appetite for the British and Irish Lions to officially, in my mind, kicking off. And I know a lot of pundits and um, different parts of the media have said that as well, but it really has. And uh, you know, I think the squad selection. This week, the South Africans going early with their squad selection. Almost Razzie Erasmus uh, playing mind games with the master of all mind games, Warren Gatlin. They seem to get in there just ahead of mm. with the team selection. Um, and then, of course, the team selection was leaked and everything else from the Lions' point of view. Uh, but put all that aside, both teams seem like they're ready and ready to go. Police is back leaving the South Africans. And, uh, you know, I, I really think that it's going to be a, an epic game, one for the ages. I know we've talked about unbelievable games in the past. Maybe that 2009 second test was, was one of the best ever to, to, that I witnessed live. Um, but, yeah, this is certainly going to be up there. It's just a pity there's no fans to be able to witness it, but the droves, the, the millions will be watching it on the TV, I'm sure, because um, it's one surely not to be missed, Mick. For sure, yeah. In terms of uh, in terms of the uh, coaches and you, like, are you surprised? I, I don't know. I thought Gatlin kind of handled maybe the leaking of the team uh, pretty well, but I'd say he was kind of just slightly annoyed by it. But look, I suppose if the squad knows, then it, you know there's no real harm. But in terms of Razzy Erasmus, he seems to be taking snipes. Like he was having a he was having a pop like it on Twitter really weirdly. He like responded to an Irish Examiner <laughs> article about Gatlin talking about uh, 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 about referees and how they referee the head-to-head collisions, but there's been a few little things there. I definitely get the impression, as you say, that that Razzie is definitely just trying to kind of get into Gatlin's head here. And, they're, you know, coaches, I, you often think that sometimes the top, top coaches might be above all of that stuff, you know, and they're just going to go, let's get our team ready and go out there. And that's, you know, I know how Gatlin is going to shape up and that's how I'm going to beat him. But they're totally trying to, like, absolutely outdo each other in the mind games. Yeah, they are. Like, and it all started off, didn't it, with uh, the water boy thing with Razzie yeah. in the A game? Like, he wasn't even supposed to be involved. And then he's like, he's like director of rugby for South Africa A. Eh? And it was like, is, is he not director of rugby for South Africa? Full stop. Um, uh, I remember seeing that flashing up on the screen. But yeah, of course, I think what both coaches are very good at, Mick, is taking the attention off the team and putting it on themselves. Um, and you see that a lot across all sports with the best coaches that um, they take on all the responsibility. They, you know, something goes out in the media. It's around Warren Gatlin and Razzie at the minute um, with their teams. And it just lets the players get on with their own jobs instead of something else popping up out of the squad. Um, and the players have to answer for it. You know, I think Warren Gatlin and, and Razzie are very, very good at 
deflecting that on onto themselves uh, and off the players. So um, it's smart by them both. And like Warren Gatland is, uh, he's been in this game a long time. As has Razi, but you know, we all kind of know that Warren uh, is very good, especially with Ireland versus Wales, of course, over the years. The, the mind games that he's tried to play along the way. Um, and he certainly knows what he's up to, but yeah, it's it's just boiling up nicely, isn't it? Uh, but I yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely think that Fazio Erasmus is is one 0 up against uh, Warren Gallen because of that early team announcement. And just to go back on that league team, mm. never a week, ever a week that you need your team to be honest, you need your team to be united, you need your team uh, to be committed to each other, and nothing to get out into the media. This was the week. This was it. Now. It might not mean anything. Of course, like Razzie named the team that was leaked anyway, or sorry, uh, Warren Gatlin named the team that was leaked anyway, and it might not matter. But for me, there's you need to be more together than that. You need to um, make sure that you can count on one another off the pitch as well as on it. And at the minute, this week, they couldn't. Somebody leaked the team, whether that's a player, whether that's management, um, and that's not good enough. And I think Warren Gatlin knows that. I think in his press conference, he sort of addressed that in a roundabout way. Yeah. And next week he will name the team and come out and say to the press straight after and there'll be no messing around. So um yeah, that that was that was a little bit frustrating for me. I was really hoping that it wasn't the team. I'm sure you were the same. Um yeah. Yeah. You, you want it to be released to the media and you go, Oh, can't wait for the, the, the matchups and you know everything else where when it was leaked it sort of took a, a small bit away from it. So um yeah, but here, draw a line under it, move on. Uh, that's what he seems to be doing, and uh, fingers crossed, you know, that team that was linked goes well on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we thought we'd ne- learn the team on uh, Thursday. We actually learned it on Tuesday, and it was confirmed on Wednesday. Brought forward, but what of the team then? I mean, when we when we speculated last week, you were you got like you know, we both got some calls right. You were you were definitely saying they would go for the line out jumper at six. We were hoping it was Tyburn. Portly Law's a pretty good pick there as well. You know, it's like having a, they, they were going to go for the third, second row. Um, um, I said we, we kind of disagreed over Van der Merwe or Josh Adams. But I think the, the point on Van der Merwe leads us on to sort of Jack Conan in that one thing that Warren Gatlin's never been afraid to do, Stevie, is make a big call that goes against conventional wisdom based on his own kind of hunches and likes. And you could get the sense over the over the set, over the course of this tour so far that someone like Van der Merwe was in his plans. You knew that Jack Conan was, you know, I just thought that Jack Conan was knocking down the door, but ultimately we know what we get from Falatau. He hasn't done anything wrong. We're going to pick him, you know, but Gatland, he, he always surprises me by doing the thing he always does, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I don't think Gatland cares at all about pissing people off. Um, he makes the decision that he feels is the best for the team to get the win. And if he feels that Jack Conan is the man, then that's who he's went with. Um, people are questioning Wynn Jones at Loosehead over a couple of the other guys. Um, Ali Price at Scrum Half over Conor Murray. Conor Murray was squad captain like what, a week ago. Um, and now he finds himself on the bench for the first test. A few other uh, ones in there as well that maybe have question marks over them. But you got to hand it to Warren Gatlin. He's got more decisions right over his career than he has wrong. Um, and, uh, you know, fair play to him for making those ballsy decisions. Um, but that's what makes a good coach. And, like, just you touched on a couple of the back rowers, and we, we talked about Courtney Laws, and I certainly felt, even from finding the clock back 12 years to 2009 with Tom Croft being in there 
a really good athlete, brilliant line-out operator. They went with the second row um, at number six in Courtney Laws. I know he's played a bit in the back row. He wouldn't be as mobile. Um, he's certainly a bit more, he plays uh, in the open game a lot more like a second row than he does a back row. But having that line-out option is, uh, is really, really valuable for, for the Lions. However, however, from an Irish perspective, I think Tag Byrne can play that role even better. I think he, yeah. he he gives that line-out option exactly the same as Courtney Laws does, but he offers a lot more around the field. He's so good over the ball. Like he's thrown seven offloads in the Lions um, matches to date. Courtney Laws has thrown two. Um, just with their handling as well, I certainly feel that Tag Byrne's a bit more of a, a better ball player. Could put somebody that tip on pass, that, especially with a rough defence from the South Africans that you're going to need. He can certainly give that. Um, and, you know, he, he just, Tyke Byrne for me, he's making line breaks as well. You've seen him in the middle of the pitch, cutting straight through defences. And we haven't seen as much of that with Munster or with Ireland, maybe a bit more with the Scarlets, um, 2016-17 season. But, yeah, I, I think he can feel a little bit hard done by. But saying that, Courtney Laws is already a test lion. And maybe one guy that's just won for that little bit of experience. And, um, you know, Jack Conan will be uh, right down, packing down uh, alongside Courtney Laws in the back row with, with Tom Curry. And just to go back to your initial points on Jack Conan, he thoroughly deserves his place. He's, he's been phenomenal. Um, he's the highest metres gained uh, out of the forwards with, with ball in hand. He's scoring tries. He looks like he's uh, got a spring in his step. All those injuries that he's had um, seem to be long forgotten about. And, like, it's funny the way things work, isn't it? Like, look at Keelan Doris, you know, picking up a knock, getting injured, or, or with his HIA, that opens the door for Jack Conan to come in. Jack Conan plays really well. Now, you know, test started for Ireland. And boom, a couple of months later, he's starting the first test with British Irish Lions. So when you're given an opportunity, you do your damnedest to try and take it. And Jack Conan certainly done that. And, I wouldn't be betting against him to, to get a man of the match performance this weekend because he's in a rich, rich vein of form. Yeah, absolutely. The mind actually when he was when I saw that he was on the team of him sitting on his own um, on the at the advertising boards at the World Cup when he was sitting there knowing that his World Cup was over. And I think it might have been in the warm up, was it? You know, I, I just remember him definitely sitting on his own. And you're thinking that he didn't play for Ireland for eighteen months after that to go to be a, a, a test starter in, in yeah. the first it's an incredible story on the back row though on the back row dynamics and we're talking about maybe laws or burn i wonder is there an element of tyke burn being an explosive option off the bench that that maybe gatlin wants to hold in reserve but i saw um simon thomas the welsh rugby journalist on twitter making an interesting point and it's something that you'd know a lot more about than me asking if the lines are a little bit short at somebody to get over the ball for the breakdown that maybe Tom Curry, while he has all of these incredible attributes, maybe doesn't have what Navidi would offer there or what Hamish Watson would offer. And Courtney Laws doesn't even offer on the other side of it what Ty Byrne might in that particular regard. They're probably not lacking for it outside of the back row, if you know what I mean. But that's where your yeah. bread and butter is as a back row forward to go and do that, especially when you have the toys there on the other side. Um, just causing chaos, you would imagine. Yeah, I, th I think um, that's an interesting point. But like you look at the South Africans, like Khaleesi isn't fantastic over the ball. Like he makes his tackles, he's made 
in the Rainbow Cup, 50 out of his last 52 tackles. Like, he very rarely misses a tackle, but he doesn't make too many turnovers. Um, Steph the Toy is a guy who makes a tackle and then on the back end of the tackle is up on his feet, causing chaos, trying to break through the rock. And it's just a complete nightmare around the breakdown. Um, and Quagga Smith, you know, as we've talked about before, playing all his rugby out in Japan, he's not amazing over the ball. So I think actually the Lions team, Curry, yes, he's not a Navidi. He's not um, you know, like a Keith Gleason that used to play for Leinster back yeah. in the day. He's not somebody that just goes around trying to steal ball to break down. I think you need a little bit more of that. He's a brilliant ball carrier. He's very robust, um, very explosive and powerful. And that's what you need. You need to meet fire with fire against these South African boys. Uh, and I think it's the right selection for me. And I think it's the right selection at seven because Amish Watson on the bench also, when he wants to run a little bit more sideways in the second half, the game opens up a bit more. He's able to fend a few people off and maybe get a sneaky offload away. That would be the time for him to come in. I don't think it's the time five or six minutes into the game when five or six South African lads are trying to chop you in too. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's got the back row selection right. I have to admit, I thought he would have went with Falatau just because he's been proven mm. over the years. But he hasn't been playing particularly well. He does have a lot of miles on the clock too. Like he's played a serious amount of rugby over his career. Um, so, yeah, for me, I think the back row selection is right. However, that six jersey... Uh, maybe maybe would have went with Tagburn, but I don't think there's too much in it. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of other selections to, to do. Like it's funny, all three Scottish selections. I kind of don't begrudge any of them. You probably you could have had Josh Adams, you could have had Liam Williams, you could have absolutely had Connor Murray. Uh, you see where he's going from with the Ali Price thing. Um, they haven't had a let Lions test starter since Tom Smith in 2001. Uh, which is just an incredible thing, really. You know, it's like it, it's been far too long for one of only four countries in there. And it is hard to say that they don't deserve uh, a real rooting interest, I suppose, in the Lions this year. Explain what Ali Price brings to maybe the layperson that is, you know, that that tells a little bit on what the Lions game plan is going to be. How is he so different to Conor Murray? Like Conor Murray's been a pragmatic scrum half for the last, what, six, six seven years. You know, very much a, a brilliant box kicker. Hasn't made a break around the, the side of the rock. Doesn't really challenge the first couple of defenders. He gets the ball, stands up, and slings it to the first receiver, whether that's a forward or whether that's the out half. Um, and he's just he's been doing that for such a long time. Now, when you play a game plan like Ireland have done over the last well nearly a decade, that is worth its weight in gold because it's so accurate um, and it's the way that they played and. Um, and he suited into that game plan, especially under Joe Smith. But Ali Price, there's a, a clip at the weekend, and it's, he just, they come down to about the, the 15 metre line. And on the 15 metre line, it is always important to try and go again, just not try and play from 15 to 15 and not make the defence fold around the corner. You know, they're just getting back up on their feet and seeing another uh, couple of guys running at them. And he went down the blind side and he went down and sort of just three or four steps. And the next thing, somebody steps out. Of the line and he gets the offer away. I think it was actually Jack Conan on the inside. And before you know it, there's 15 meter break up the blind side. And, and that's what he offers. He challenges the defense. He's very nippy, pacey around the breakdown. You're not going to say that Connor Murray is pacey around the breakdown because he's not. He's got, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure Ali Price would love to have Connor Murray's box kick, 
because I don't think Ali Price's box kicking is as good as Conor Murray's. But if you're going to go out and you're going to play a style of rugby that I think Warren Gatlin wants to play with this team selection, then Ali Price is the guy to try and make that happen. He's been he's been fairly good on this tour. Yes, he makes a few mistakes, but that's because he's trying things. Um, and it's an interesting one, Mary, and I know a lot of people have talked about it, is that it's this combination at 9 and 10. Like, Ali Price and Dan Baker haven't played together. Um, mm. That much over the last uh, over this tour, um, and I think it was O'Gara actually it was reading a piece and he was saying like he he would fancy Ireland, England, Scotland, or Wales more than he would the British and Irish Lions to win against South Africa on Saturday because of the combination, the team, the team being able to gel together, the, that access that they need in the back row, you know, more than six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you need to be functioning really well, and this is a wee bit all over the place, but. Um, they must be training in the house down. Dan Bigger's a solid player, kicks the ball really well. Um, and if Ali Price can get that running game going, get the big runners off him, um, then you know hopefully they can get those short yardages close to the rock that they need to get over the game line. Yeah. Yeah, certainly looks like he's, he's he's tried to pick on form anyway. I suppose that's that's always a, a risk in itself then. But um, on this, we'll, we'll talk about a couple more things, but the, the South African team, I was just re- just literally just even looking back on tours really quickly there. It's hard to believe that, just by coincidence, that this is the fifth out of seven Lions tours where the Lions have had played the world champions two years after the World Cup. It, it, it's actually just remarkable. Like, you know, and even in 2005, they played, uh, you know, New Zealand were probably the best team in the world by that stage again. You know, um, only 2013 maybe where they played a slightly weak in Wallabies, but... You do see when the South African team was named, as you said early, there was no major surprises there or anything, but just we knew, we saw the South African A team a few weeks ago, or last week, and you're thinking there's a couple of names that come into there. And when you see the actual names, you see Khaleesi, you see Pollard, you see that front row, and you're thinking, God, this is a formidable team. We haven't seen them play properly in so long, since that World Cup final, really. You forget that this is an amazing South African team. Yeah, it's an amazing team. Their preparation hasn't been great. Like this terrible, is, yeah. It's a terrible preparation. Georgia, I think they played a Super 15 team um, as well for, for their preparation. Struck down with COVID. You know, Khaleesi has been locked up in his room for the last uh, while. He's played five um, five matches in the Rainbow Cup. Like, very limited rugby. They're missing their talisman, Wayne Vermeulen at number eight. They're sort of know what direction they're going at number eight. Smith won one week and you know everybody's talking about could see it, would he make it in the squad? He's now nowhere near it. Um and yeah, there's a few positions that still feel that the beast is retired, obviously, who was unbelievable in that rugby world cup final twenty nineteen. But look at the quality of player. Makazola Mapimpi, Ludi Yeager, uh the hooker who is a serious, serious operator. Uh, Khaleesi, as we've talked about, Smith, Pollard, um, Mal Herb on the bench, who's the best scrummage and tight air prop in the world, Malcolm Marks, who's and who started the last game, he's in the bench, he's going to make a huge impact, and, um, you know, Kitzkoff, I know he was involved in the last game as well, but there's so much talent there, and they're huge, huge men, they bring the power, they bring, I know, like, I think I've heard the word physicality about a thousand times this week across social media, <laughs> Everything, but I'm going to use it again because they are physicality. They're just so, so physical. Uh, but if the Lions can match it, Mick, if the Lions can match this physicality, if they can close them down, shut them up, 
the first 20 minutes, half an hour. I really think that this Lions team will play the better rugby. And when I say the better rugby, they're not just going to kick the leather off it. They're going to make a couple more line breaks. We know Cheslin Colby can pull a rabbit out of a hat um, at times. But I definitely think this Lions team are more skillful. They're better prepared. Um, but if they can just meet that physical battle, then that's where I feel the game is going to be won and lost. As is it's won and lost, if Dungannon Rugby Club down the road are playing against Shannon Rugby Club, the physicality stakes, it doesn't matter if it's a club game or if it's a, the, the pinnacle, the, the be- biggest and best test match, South Africa versus the British and Irish Lions. You've got to win the confrontation. And um, yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's going to be epic. And, and if the Lions can do that, then, then I think they'll win the game. And if they don't do that, then I think they'll lose the game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if, like, it'll all come down to, to that kind of physical matchup, of course. But how much a physical matchup can um, can manifest often comes down to who the man in the middle is. Um, Nick Berry uh, is the uh, Australian referee. Um, we've seen a little bit of him, I think, over the years. But, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the TMO and being South African and so on and so forth this this uh, week, there's only so much power a TMO has, but the referee defines how a game is played, really. He does. Uh, Nick Berry, just, if anybody's watching, just a few of the games that he's actually refereed. Um, he refereed Samoa versus the Mary All Blacks. There's 26 penalties awarded in that game. Ten of those were at scrum. So, like, how important is the set piece going to be uh, in this match on Saturday if, you know, this is the way Nick Berry's going to gain? Four Super Rugby um, the Trans-Tasman Games averaged 21 penalties per game. It's a lot of penalties again. Five yellow cards and one red card. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a red card at some stage over this uh, the next three weeks with the test matches. Um, he most penalises action on the offside line. So offside line is his hot thing. The boys in Camp Mick, they'll be going through this referee. Anything that I'm saying here, they already know this. Um, they're going to have um, a, a briefing maybe the day before the match to go through exactly what the referee is hot on. Obviously, the coaches will have talked to the referees. You know, the referee might have singled out a certain player, might have said tag furlongs bind. It's too it's too long. It needs to be you know tighter and shorter on the scrum. There might be a few things that he picks out, so they'll address those and then they'll talk them everything everything through. But this referee is super super hot on the offside line. Um, he's big in first phase penalties as well, so that's you know something straight off the top of a line out, that first phase or off, the, off any set piece. Um, 33 of the 85 penalties that he gave in those four Super Rugby games um, were in first phase, so you know, you've got to be accurate in those first phases uh, with this referee. So it's just a couple of things on Nick Berry. He might completely different, you know, the way some referees just let things go, see how it unfolds, or he might be an absolute stickler for a couple of things, like the offside line very early on and the kick chase that we're seeing more of, players half a yard a yard in front of the kicker just ambling forward and they're getting penalised even though it's not going to have an impact on what unfolds in front of them, they're still being penalised, so it's going to be very interesting, and with this game man, comes huge pressure so he has to make the right decisions and that's why the TMO in there is a South African it was supposed to be an all black correct me if I'm wrong but he's had to cry off um, and it went with a South African and he is going to be called upon there's no doubt because 
the referee can see everything on the pitch. The team has all the angles, you know, everything at hand, and he will certainly be having an input. And uh, I know Warren Gatlin and the rest of the coaching staff. I think Robin McBride was very vocal today, saying, you know, that they weren't too happy with the way it was. I think it was they didn't have a plan B if uh, if the Kiwi uh, TMO didn't didn't make it. So. Yeah, it looks like they didn't have a plan B, or maybe the South Africans did, and that's why they went with the South African team. But, uh, yeah, he will certainly be called upon and huge pressure, and everybody concerned uh, on this match because they have to get it right. Yeah. It would worry you, I suppose, more for, I don't know, like, I mean, you, you, you kind of think for a grounding or something like that, there's only so much you can do, and everybody will try to be fair. But where unconscious bias might come in is something like intent on a on a head tackle or something like that, yeah. you know what I mean? And, you know, the, the, where they ask other mitigating circumstances, that's where unconscious bias comes in. There's nobody's gone accusing a TMO or a referee of, of, of ever want, of not doing their job properly. But, you know, it's, it, it, it can come into it a little bit if you know these guys or so on and so forth. So that's a little bit of a worry. I, I completely agree with that. Um, as a ball carrier, quickly before we move off the referee, you're happy with an offside line referee, aren't you? Like yeah. That, the chance to open up the game if everybody kind of plays to it and there isn't too much pinging for it. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's, you know, the South Africans, have, as we've watched, it's the up and in defence. They don't mind if they're a number or two down. They'll just back themselves to make the tackle, man and ball, shut it down, reset themselves. Um, I don't think they'll commit as many people to the rocks as they did in the South Africa A game. Like that first half an hour. And I, I know they got a bit of change out of it, but they certainly left themselves a lot of numbers short at times. Um, and got away with it on a couple of occasions. So, yeah, I expect them to fill the field a lot more and just come up and, and smash what's in front of them. And they're such big men and powerful guys that, you know, they stop a lot of the time their opposition man right on the game line or behind it. So, uh, lots of impact tackles or dominant tackles, as they're called. We all know what happened to Ireland with the dominant tackles against England in the last number of seasons gone by, um, it makes a huge, huge difference when you put a, a good hit and, and not just tackling around the ankles and soaking, soaking those tackles. So, yeah, the offside line is, is hugely important to be refereed correctly for both sides. Mario Toby lives on the edge. Courtney Laws lives on the edge. Um, as does Khaleesi, the toy as well. So um, it's going to be back and forth, I'm sure. But, yeah, I just I, I think it will. I, I, don't, I, I just hope after the 80 minutes, Mick, that um, or even when we were chatting next week, the first question that you asked me isn't about the referee and about some of the decisions that he's made. Um, yeah. And we talk about good rugby because there's been too many of uh, those questions gone by in the last couple of years. Um, and I don't think it's raised his head as much recently with the refereeing decisions. Um, so hopefully we get a good, clean game. We'll find out tomorrow at 5 o'clock on uh, Sky Sports. We'll have uh, Nigel Owens for company as well, telling us what the referee is doing all the way through, which I have to say I've enjoyed so far in the uh, in, in the competition. If you were to call it, lines are plus three on Ladbrokes. If you were to call it, yeah. um, you could take them straight, you could take South Africa. What are you thinking? Jeez, well, they were plus one the other day. Uh, it's a it's a low plus three. I think it looks closer to it looks closer to plus two in terms of the actual odds. So South Africa minus three is thirteen to ten, and Lions plus three is four to six. So I think that's that that's three is the handicap. But I think you're probably looking at closer to a two as yeah. the, as just a number itself. Yeah. Well, I might try and get my cash right and then go and re, uh, redo my bet again, Nick. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, like history has shown that it's 
vitally important to, to try and win the first test, or, or of course going to try and win it, but to win the first test to win the series. Um, and now that hasn't happened for a while. So yeah, like, do you go with your heart? Do you go with your head? Do you go with what you've experienced and played against or played with? Like I've been there with the Lions, I've been there in South Africa, I've played against South Africa um, a number of times with Ireland. I, I know how good they can be. Razzy Rosnes, I've watched the, the documentary Rising Sun or whatever it's called, like how inspirational he is as a head coach and what it means for these players to represent their country. And everything that's going down in South Africa once again at the minute, they're just constantly, you know, the, the, their country is in a, in a world of pain at the minute. And this South African team has another opportunity after the World Cup to give some inspiration back to some of some of these people that are struggling. <coughs> I would love to, of course, of course, I'd love to see the Lions win. Of course, I would like to be proved wrong. But I think South Africans will pip the Lions on Saturday. I think playing um, sea level and not at altitude will actually benefit the South Africans more than the Lions because they haven't had as much game time. Everybody talks about, you know, the South Africans want to bring the Lions to altitude because they'll find it so much tougher and everything else. I, I think it'll actually work, be more beneficial for the South Africans because of their limited game time. So, yeah, to cut that long answer very short, I'm going to go for South African win and for the Lions to win next week and to tee it up nicely for a third test. We'll take that. We'll take, we'll, take a, we'll take a third test with something to play for one way or another. We'll catch up next week, Stevie, and we'll uh, we'll have some um, we'll have some a lot of analysis to do and a lot of predictions, a lot more predictions for uh, test two. But thanks a million for joining us. No worries. Cheers, Mike. Uh, thanks a million to Stevie. If you are having a bet, uh, the lines, uh, the, the minus three handicap there, it, it does seem like it's it's, it's kind of, it, it is in favour of the uh, the lines in terms of uh, the number. So you can get both teams at evens, as you can see on the screen there as well. So it's all to play for. It's, it's really, really <laughs> up in the air as to what's going to happen in this game. So we can't wait for it. Um, if you're having a bet on it, please always gamble responsibly. Visit dunlewy.net for more information. We'll be back with Stevie next week when we have the first test to look back on and look ahead to the second test. In the meantime, enjoy the rugby, enjoy the Olympics, enjoy everything that's going on in the world of sports. An absolute packed time. If you can handle the heat or if you can't even, just pull the curtains and sit, sit in for the whole weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.